It's a gift and a blessing to have everyone back. Uh, last weekend, we were not all back, but now we're back. Last week, we had the great gospel of the wedding at Cana, where Jesus turns water into wine, and not just a little bit of water, 180 gallons of water into wine. And it's the purpose of his mission. The purpose of God coming to earth is for our joy. Don't ever forget that. It's for our joy, that his joy is meant to be in us so that our joy might be absolutely fulfilled. Everything Jesus has to do to take on sin and its consequence, death, is with that in mind, to share the divine life, which means to share his love and his joy with us. So that's last week, the water into wine, the water symbolizing our humanity, and then the wine symbolizing the divine life. And Jesus, the one who changes what is human into what is divine. God becoming flesh among us so that we might have the divine life, that we might be full of joy. This week, what that mission consists of, what it's really going to look like. So let me set the stage. Jesus is in his hometown synagogue. He's back in Nazareth, where he spent 30 years of his life, 30 years. And Nazareth, it was a town, it's not even a town, it was a hamlet of 200 people that the Lord spent 30 of his 33 years there. And he wasn't wasting time. So when you think that your life is just ordinary and normal and nothing major is happening, know that Jesus spent 30 of his 33 years in a town of 200 people. And he wasn't wasting time. He was sanctifying every activity that we do that seems so normal and so commonplace. He goes to his hometown synagogue. He's going to church, essentially. He's doing what he's been doing his whole life long and at a certain point in the Jewish culture, any man would have the opportunity to take a passage of scripture and comment on it. And so Jesus takes his chance. He's been going around preaching in other synagogues and he's getting recognized. People are aware there's something different about him. So he goes back home and he sits down and he asks for the scroll of the prophet Isaiah which is a fan favorite for the Jews. Because in that scroll, Isaiah speaks so much about the coming of the Messiah, the one who will set the people of Israel free in a definitive and lasting way. And so their ears perk up. What's he gonna say? Now he probably, they probably were like, okay, we've heard this. We've heard people preach about this before. But then he goes to the heart of the book of Isaiah. And he says this to them. He finds this passage. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Well, now they're really paying attention because that particular passage is exactly what the Messiah will do. 
They want to hear what he has to say. They've probably heard people preach about this before. Probably a message of hope. Probably a message of perseverance. All good. All necessary. But then Jesus does something different. He rolls up the scroll. And he sits down. And everyone looks intently at him. And then he says, today, this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. Friends, there would have been an audible gasp when he said that. This passage is fulfilled. He's saying, I'm the one. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one. That's the truth of who he is. My friends, Jesus is the one. And not just then, but today. And not just for them, but for you and for me. And everyone here needs to hear that. Jesus is the one for you today. And everyone needs to hear this. Maybe you're waiting in your life for something to happen that will make it all click, that will make it all make sense, to have a focus and a purpose. Well, I'm here to tell you that that thing has already happened. You don't need to wait for it. It's already happened. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The incarnation. Jesus Christ came. That thing has already happened that will make your life make sense. And maybe you're like, yeah, but I need someone to complete my heart. Maybe to heal my heart. Maybe to set my heart free. Maybe to fill it with joy because I don't feel that. My friends, that person has already come. You don't need to wait any longer because his name is Jesus Christ. And he's risen from the dead and he's real. And he's with you today. Not in some abstract way, but in a real way. That we can meet him in a real way. That his power and his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his truth is real for us today. It's not an abstraction. It's not an idea. But he's alive. And he wants to move in your life. Friends, this is not something locked in the past. It's as relevant as each one of you. Jesus comes to us in a real way now. His presence is as real and even more real than your hurts than your doubts, than the slaveries that you have, and also your joys, and your hopes, and the desires of your heart which are so good. Jesus meets you in all of it. I'm teaching a class on St. John Paul II. It's great. I don't know if it's great for my students. It's great for me, so I'm rolling with it. I love it because I'm looking up this stuff and it's just amazing. Here's one of his quotes. 
to young people. It is Jesus that you seek. When you dream of happiness, he is waiting for you. When nothing else you find satisfies you, he is the beauty to which you are so attracted. It is he who provoked you with that thirst for fullness that will not let you settle for compromise. And it is he who urges you to shed the masks of a false life. It is Jesus who stirs in you the desire to do something great with your lives, the will to follow an ideal, the refusal to allow yourselves to be ground down by mediocrity, the courage to commit yourselves humbly and patiently to improving yourselves and society and the world. It's Jesus, my friends. He's the one. He's the one. What does he want for you? Joy. He wants your joy. He wants you fully alive. How does he bring that joy to you? Just as he did in the synagogue in Nazareth. He does tonight. He proclaims liberty to captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. And he sets the oppressed free. Liberty to captives. Freedom for the oppressed. We're talking about something much bigger than political oppressors. A Roman Empire oppressing the people of Israel. Any games played in the political realm in 2022 Jesus goes way bigger and way deeper than that. He proclaims liberty to captives, to each one of us whose hearts are captive to our fears and our sins. He sets the oppressed free, those of us who are oppressed by our past, those of us who are anxious about our future, those of us who wonder what our lives are for, he brings freedom. And only him, only him, nothing and no one else can bring the freedom that Jesus Christ brings. And so we're meant to come into contact with him tonight in a real way. This isn't an abstraction. We're meant to meet him him who is the truth. John 8, 32, one of St. John Paul II's favorite verses. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Friends, the truth of Jesus Christ is not just a teaching. It's not an ethical code. It's him. It's his person given to us in the scriptures and given to us in the Eucharist. It's himself. He wants to meet you tonight, to set you free tonight. That's for each and every one of us. Tonight, not later, but tonight. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, 
to let the oppressed go free. My dear brothers and sisters, tonight, that scripture passage is fulfilled in our hearing. Tonight, in our hearing, Christ liberates us.